Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Luke chapter number one and verse number 26. Just a few verses here. Luke chapter number one and verse number 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And an angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at the saying and cast about in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for behold, thou hast found favor with God. Let's read verse 31 together. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt name his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his king, of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her own age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. Let's read verse 37. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Let's be seated. Thank you for standing. Father, would you guide our time in your word? And right now, Lord, I ask for your help. I ask for your guidance of this flock. Lord, we are your sheep and the sheep of your pasture. We all have burdens. Lord, we all have areas where we're aware that we need to grow. And we don't often have the answers to that, the next steps. So I pray that you would give us next steps today. Lord, I'm reminded that Satan works in generalities, in vague confusion, but you work in a specific way, by your Holy Spirit. And so I pray that you would guard this congregation from the work of Satan, Lord, we know we're in a spiritual battle. And I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would 
would guide us specifically today by your word. Pray that you'd hush our hearts before you. Pray for the children as they listen to your word, that all would be done to your glory, and that we would not just be hearers of it, but doers as well, that we'd be obedient in the, in the midst of this spiritual battle. So Lord, help us. Help me right now to communicate, to be a blessing to these that have gathered. And we just thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for being our Savior. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the servants of Christmas. You know, most of the, most of the individuals in the Christmas story that we celebrate were servants. Mary just said in the last verse of our passage, she's a handmaid. Joseph, we'll look at him next week. He says to the angel, I'm going to do as you say. Jesus was prophesied as the suffering servant, the coming servant, in the book of Psalms and Isaiah. The shepherds served as the keepers of the temple sheep and the temple flocks, yet God showed himself to them, lowly as they were, kind of the off-scouring of the earth. No one wanted to be with them, but God showed up to them and said, Savior's born. Simeon in the temple, when eight days later, after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph bring him in the temple to, to, to fulfill the law. Simeon was a servant of the Lord. Anna was a servant of the Lord, waiting night and day in fastings and prayer. And all these different individuals in the, in the Christmas story acted and demonstrated an attitude of humility and service. And so for these next several weeks, we want to look at Christmas from the perspective of some of these servants to help us to develop that same heart we talked about last week, that heart of service, which is the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a humble heart. It's a, it's a heart that's ready to reach out and serve others, but most of all, serve the Lord and how we need to do that. Christmas is a time full of wonder. But as we look at the Christmas story, it's also a time of servitude. It's a time to serve one another. It's a time to serve our families. It's a time to serve the Lord. It's a time to be reminded that we serve the greatest servant. And he demonstrated for us service in such a wonderful way by coming to earth. So today we want to look at this servant named Mary, a very wonderful lady. And she said, I'm the handmaid of the Lord. I'm the handmaid of the Lord. Ladies, are you the handmaid of the Lord? Guys, are you a servant of the Lord? Children, teens, young adults, singles, are you a servant of the Lord? When you describe yourself, when you, when you take and put a bio on your social media, what are you? Does Jesus and your service to him come into contact, come into play in any of that? When you present yourself, are you presenting yourself as a servant of the Lord? Not just in word, but in action as well. Paul, many times throughout his openings of the epistles, called himself a servant, a bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. Powerful to think of ourselves as servants, 
yet in this world we're taught over and over to be just like the disciples were last week. I ain't touching any feet. Right? You want to set yourself apart in this world? Be a servant. Be a handmaid of the Lord. Look at Mary. She was a favored woman. She was a favored woman in, in the first several verses of our passage. She uh, was addressed by this, this man, this angel named Gabriel. He was an archangel. There are two archangels named in Scripture, Gabriel and does anyone else know the other? Michael, very good. And so they're mentioned, and you know when God sends this angel, there was some pretty important news to be shared. The news of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The news of the promised Messiah coming to earth. And so Mary was approached by, by Gabriel, and, and, and this, this angel, this archangel, had given other messages to, to individuals like Daniel and Zechariah. But here to Mary, to Mary, who had heard about Mary? Who had heard about Mary as a young lady? Maybe folks knew her in town, in the town that she lived in, but who had heard in a widespread way about Mary? We all know the name of Mary now. The world knows the name of Mary. But at that point, she was just behind the scenes, not known really to anyone, but ultimately she was known to God. Why? Why was she favored of God? Why was she picked out by God? Why was she chosen by God for this enormous, wonderful task to be the mother of Jesus? Ladies, just for a minute, can you imagine that responsibility and that, that privilege? I believe before Jesus came to earth that many of the, the Jewish young ladies, they hoped, they wondered if they would have that privilege. Yet Mary, on this day, God chose her to be the mother of of Jesus. What a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. But I want us to realize that the Bible tells us here in verse number 27, this angel came to a virgin espoused to a man named Joseph. I want us to realize that, that Mary was a pure individual. She was a pure individual. She was a virgin, the Bible says here. She had kept herself uh, and, and was proper in her relationships. Uh, virginity speaks of her of her purity. Certainly a person can be pure in their body, but not pure in their minds. We live in a very perverted society, do we not? We all need to be pure in our minds. Amen, church? Amen. You need a fight. You need a battle in your mind. You need to rest on the, on the power of the Holy Spirit to walk with God in your thinking too. We can have everything together physically and not be right there. By the way, it starts here. Before anyone climbs into bed with somebody, they, they thought about it here. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The Bible says that, guys, that we look on a woman to lust after her in our heart, it's committing adultery. The Bible speaks about this. So that's God's standard. We live in a world that, that looks down on virginity. And both men and women. It looks down on it. It mocks it as something that's passe and it's archaic. It, it's not to be. We should not rush over this verse when the Bible says that Mary was a virgin. Yes, that has to do with the promise that was given in Isaiah 7 and verse number 14 that, that the Messiah would come through a virgin. But we should not pass over that she had chosen to live a life in purity and according to God's law. She had obeyed God's law. How important it is for us to remember that. I also should add that if, if 
this is not the case in your life. Do understand that the Bible um, tells us that God forgives of all sin. All. Aren't you thankful for that? Come on, church, let's be, be together on this. All. I'm thankful that God forgives when we step out of, uh, out of bounds, when we violate his law. And he, he does forgive when we come to him and ask for that forgiveness. I'm thankful for that. But she was a pure young lady. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 and verse 4, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Is God just being mean? Is God forgotten to, to get up with the times in 2023? No, the Bible helps us to understand that God blesses marriage between one man and one woman. He blesses sexuality inside of marriage. That's the confines. Oftentimes you, you realize uh, that uh, a fire is wonderful when it's kept inside the fireplace. I've shared this illustration many times. I just wanna, I wanna touch on it again today. Fire inside the fireplace is great. Fire outside the fireplace is not so great. It marks floors, it burns down, it burns down houses, etc. So isn't sexuality. Inside of marriage, it's a wonderful God-given gift. It's a beautiful thing. Outside of marriage, it destroys lives. Amen. Now, that's not popular, but let's realize that God chose a young lady who is pure. By the way, we can all make a choice to live pure from this day forward. You can't do anything about the past. Satan will sit on your past. He will trumpet your past. He will throw your past in your face at the moment that you're supposed to take a step forward for God. How many of you have experienced that before? All right? Don't listen to him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. But we should realize that Mary was a, was a woman of pure, a pure living, and we should look up to her in that way. She was espoused to Joseph. This espousal, some say, would be uh, around a year's time. It's a little different than our engagement because it was a public, permanent, permanent legal uh, agreement. It was marriage just without living together. What was going on during this time? The husband was back preparing a place for a spouse. Do you know what Jesus is doing for his bride right now? John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. I will come again to receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. We look forward to that day when we're united with Christ. And it's going to be a wonderful day. But this is what was going on in Mary's life right now. She was waiting for her prince to come back, for her her love to come back and say, it's time, Mary, the house is ready, and it, it's all prepared. I've built exactly as you'd like it. I, I've thought of you as I put it together. I prepared it for you, and she's waiting that. Now, think about the hope that's inside of this relationship right now. I imagine that she was counting down the days. I imagine she was looking forward to this. She was espoused to him. And even in this espousal time, she was living pure under the Lord. The Bible tells us this. She was living pure. Mary and Joseph were living pure between each other. We live in a world that says, well, it doesn't really matter as long as you're going to get married someday. No. The Bible says that sexuality is for inside of marriage. And so we need to stay true to that. Now, the also the Bible says that to break this marriage or this covenant between each other, this espousal, would be out in the level of divorce 
Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 19, it says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. The idea was when he found out that she was with child, he didn't understand all that was going on by the Holy Ghost. Uh, the Bible says that he was ready to put her away or to divorce her. To come out of an espousal required a divorce. So this was a very serious thing. And I want us to understand it from Mary and Joseph's perspective. They were promised to each other. They had covenanted to each other. The only thing left was for them to go live together and consummate their marriage. And so I want us to understand that in this environment, in this moment, Mary and Joseph, but Mary was living as a pure individual. God blesses purity. We wonder why God favored her. God blesses purity in our lives. He blesses holiness. Holiness isn't passe. Holiness is right. It honors God. Let's live holy, church. Let's live pure unto him in our hearts and in our bodies, which do belong to God. So she was pure, but I want us also to realize in the midst of this, as a favored woman, she was, she was found in the midst of a prophesied lineage. She was of the house of David. She was uh, espoused to Joseph of the house of, of David. It's a pretty amazing thing that she finds herself in this long, illustrious line, the house of David. Luke is referencing the prophecy of, of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 11 and verse number 1. And there shall come forth out of the rod, uh, out of uh, uh, forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, a branch shall grow, uh, grow out of his roots, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. But it would come forth out of Jesse, this rod, come forth out of the line of David. And so she was a part of a wonderful family through which God had promised that he would bring the Messiah. He had prophesied this some 700 years previous, and here Mary is a part of that. Just a, a point of reference or to help you understand why there are two genealogies. If you go to the first chapter of Matthew, you're going to find, you're going to find the genealogy of, of Joseph. And if you go to this, uh, this chapter, the second chapter of, of Luke, you're going to find also the genealogy of Mary. Uh, we understand that Luke, by his own uh, perspective, he was, a, uh, he was a medical doctor, might have been more intrigued by uh, the, the humanity of, of, of Christ and, and uh, 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 listing that out and so on. But he was tasked with giving Mary's lineage, and then Matthew was tasked with giving uh, Joseph's lineage. So Mary, Matthew emphasized Jesus as the royal son of Abraham and son of David. Luke traces Jesus' descent back to Adam to show that he is the son of God. So the different lineages there. I love it as you close the Old Testament. The Bible speaks about if it, um, it, the uh, there would be a curse that would come upon mankind if they didn't, uh, didn't turn to the Lord. And then we turn the, on the page and open up the New Testament, and it opens right up into this is the generation of Jesus. And that he came to, to make it right, to break the curse of sin that has swept all of mankind. But I want us to realize in just this lineage that you see in front of you, and realize those words are small, but I want you to get the picture of it, uh, of it that this is the, the line of Christ. This is the family tree of Christ. And God had prophesied this, and please understand that God's word 
always comes true as he said it would. Some 700 years previous, he said it would be through the line of David, and Mary here is being announced to us as in the line of David. What a wonderful thing to be reminded of in the midst of a changing culture that doesn't know absolute truth, that God's word is absolutely true. It truly is. But I want us to realize in verse number 28, look at it with me, the angel Gabriel says, you're highly favored. You're highly favored. I would like that statement. I'd like to hear a messenger from God say, you're highly favored. How many of you look forward one day to hearing the Lord say, well done now, good and faithful servant? Hmm. Mary got to hear it here. You're highly favored. But I don't think we can get past the next statement in that verse, which says, the Lord is with thee. Let's say that together. The Lord is with thee. Would you notice that Mary was not just pure and in a prophesied lineage, but she had a personal relationship with the Lord. It does not say that the Lord was with thee. It does not say that the Lord will be with thee. It does say that the Lord is with thee. Is with thee. You know, you might not have walked with God in the past. You might struggle in the future, but where are you right now with the Lord? Where are you right now in your relationship with the Lord? You say, I'd like to be highly favored. Then we need to answer the question, where are we with the Lord? God gives us all the opportunity to please him. God gives us all the opportunity to have his grace upon our life. And notice what this word favored means. It means to be grace bestowed, to become the recipient of God's freely bestowed benefit of grace upon our life, that undeserved favor upon our life. How do we have that? by being in a personal relationship with him. Some of you need to step into that personal relationship with him by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Some of you need to reignite that personal relationship with him by renewing your fellowship with him. You're a child of God, but you've allowed something to, to come in between you and him that has, that has strained that fellowship, as First John talks about. Oh, you don't need to get resaved. But it's been a while since you've, you've come to God and saying, I agree with you about my shortcomings. I agree with you about my sin. I agree with you about I've told you no here, and I'm sorry. I've been telling you I don't, I don't have any sin. I don't have a problem. And God says in, in the book of 1 John that if we say we have no sin, we call him a liar. When he's the one saying, I see something in your life. How can we expect to have a personal relationship that is effective and real every day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, if we're saying no to him and his word? And so whatever the case may be, we all need to be in a personal relationship with God. We can all enjoy the favor, the grace of God upon our lives as we walk with him. The Lord is with thee. It speaks of Mary's personal relationship with the Lord. How do we have this? The Bible says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we have a little bit of an understanding of how that Mary had God's grace being bestowed on her, this favor being bestowed on her. I guarantee you Mary was a humble individual, was a woman that walked in humility. Sometimes that's hard. 
Because when God comes to us and, and he notes something in our lives, our pride gets kind of uh, stirred up and we're like, no, no, I don't got the problem. Mary was a person that walked in humility, otherwise she could not have had the grace of God on her life. Do you see how that, that works with the rest of the scripture? I'm not pulling something out of my hat here. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He also says in Isaiah chapter number 57, he says that he dwells with those that are humble, but he dwells with those that are contrite. Do you have an idea what the word contrite means? Contrite, contrition. It's a good Bible word. But the idea of, of contrite is to be sorrowful for our sin. To be sorrowful for our sin. To take sin seriously. You know what else I believe about Mary? She wasn't just humble, but she took sin seriously. She was, she was serious about her own sin. Why? Because God says, I dwell. I'm with those that are humble and take sin seriously. Take it as a, an affront to me. And so Mary was someone that had the grace of God, had the favor of God upon her life in these ways and probably, and, and probably more. What is your relationship with the Lord like today? Are you walking in humility? Do you take sin seriously, or is it something that is a joke? Or something that you justify? We can justify really easy, can't we? We become artists in justification of our own shortcomings. Not so much others. We can spot that really easy. We can spot it in our spouse, our kids, other church members, people at work. You know, we can feel pretty good. If we can spot more in somebody else than ourselves, we feel pretty good. Friends, beware when you become a pro at spotting it in others. Beware. You are going to hurt your own walk with the Lord. You will never go further in your walk with the Lord until you become serious about your own sin. Mary was a person who had the grace of God on her life, and I believe in in connection with the rest of scripture, a humble individual who took sin seriously. And so we want the grace of God to be on our lives. And if so, do we choose pride or humility? Are we defensive when something comes up about us? Or do we say, you know what, I'm going to pray on that. I'm going to pray on that. Lord, is there something to that? Brother or sister in Christ said that. It hurts. Is there something to that? Do we want grace or do we want to be resisted? It really comes down to, are we going to choose humility or pride? The Lord is with thee, Mary. Do you have fellowship like that through obedient living? The Lord is with thee. I want the Lord to be with me this week, don't you? Now, the New Testament believer, I'm so very, very thankful that the moment that we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. He says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee, but we all know what it is to push him away, to quench the Spirit, to say no. So while the Lord is in you and with you, we can practically live like we're not with him. The Holy Spirit has given all of himself to you, but you and I need to make sure that we are giving all of ourselves to him. Lord, whatever you want, I want to walk with you today. They that worship him must worship him in 
spirit and truth. We're not going to be able to worship and walk with him if we're not in connection with the Holy Spirit of God and if we're not saying yes to his truth. Mary was one that did. And so we see this favored woman, her pure living, her prophesied lineage, and, and this matter of her present personal relationship with the Lord. Let's be like Mary. But would you notice that she got to be a part of something so wonderful as this, this one on, upon whom God showered grace. She got to be a part of this foretold birth, the birth of the Messiah. The Messiah simply means promised one. The one that is promised and was promised all the way through the Old Testament. Can someone remind us where the first promise that a Messiah or a Savior would come is found in Scripture? Oh, you're doing good. Genesis, we're getting warm. Three, can we get the verse? Very good. All right, Genesis 3.15. You all work together so well to, to get there. Genesis 3.15. Isn't it amazing that God, even before he gets done with the conversation, announcing that sin's curse would be upon the earth and upon humanity, that he doesn't get out of that conversation before he tells Adam and Eve, there's going to be a day, there's going to be a day that I send a Messiah, a Savior, one that's going to right this wrong. Isn't that amazing? And that Satan's plan will be thwarted. Satan will bruise his heel. But Satan's head would be crushed through this Messiah. Boy, that happened at the cross and the, and the empty tomb. I got to see the empty tomb. I got to see, um, be near the, the foot of Golgotha. Friends, the tomb is empty. Satan's head was crushed. He is the defeated foe. And it happened through the Messiah, just as God said. Praise his name. And so the Messiah would come, and Mary would be a part of this. Look at verse number 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. One author on gave us some truths that were announced here that he broke it down very well and I liked it and I wanted to share it with you. The real humanity of the Messiah is seen in thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son. He would be man, 100% man. But his deity is seen and thou shalt call his name Jesus, meaning Jehovah is Savior. His essential greatness is seen in the words he shall be Great. Is not Jesus the greatest of all? All, he, all the world still talks about him. Even those that deny his deity still list him in their books and still talk of him as a great teacher. Even atheists will talk about him as a great teacher. They, they admire his, his, good, his good teachings to us. He shall be great both in his person and work. His identity as the Son of God is seen and he shall be called the Son of of the highest that is not inferior that is equal with he shall be called the son of the highest having all the authority of the highest his title to the throne of david is seen the lord shall give him the throne of his father david this establishes his kingship his reign as messiah as the promised one and his everlasting and universal kingdom is seen his reign shall uh, uh, be over the house of jacob forever and his kingdom of his kingdom there shall be no end. He rules the world with truth and grace. If you were in Sunday school this morning, we talked about Jesus was full of grace and truth. He does have that, and he rules the world 
as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and of his kingdom, there shall be no end. The Messiah is not just a mere man. He is God in the flesh. Friends, let's not get over that. The world's running around worried about presence right now. They got up their decorations back in August. Wasn't it? Or at least really close. They've taken all the holidays and they've put them inside of a blender and now we have all these decorations all meshed together. The world is moving fastly away from the the meaning, the true meaning of Christmas. God himself came to earth for sinners like you and me. That's an amazing truth. And we need to believe it, we need to stand on it. And the word became flesh, John 1, 14, and dwelt among us and we beheld. We didn't hear about his glory, we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's the Savior that came back then and he's still the Savior of the world today. Aren't you grateful? That's our Messiah. That's our Messiah. Mary was a part of that. Can you imagine waking up one day and being visited by the archangel and being told, hey, this is your reality. This isn't just something you're, you're hoping for that you know, will come someday. This is your reality, your generation, and more so, Mary, this is going to happen through you. You're going to conceive this baby. What an amazing thing, the Messiah's birth. But I want us to realize and settle on this matter of this miraculous conception. This is a long and a wonderfully held doctrine of the church. My, the church, I mean those that hold the fundamental doctrines of Scripture and believe that the Word of God is literally given to us, and it is all true. Do you believe that today? Do you believe you have the Word of God and it's true? So here it is. The Bible speaks of the virgin birth. This is even a matter that is discussed, as whether back in Isaiah 7, 14, it just was talking about a young woman, or if it's actually talking about a virgin. No, the Bible said that a virgin would conceive and bear a son 700 years previous, and on this day, with Gabriel announcing it to Mary, he says, Mary, you're the virgin. You're the one You're the fulfillment of promise, and this would be a miraculous conception. I want us to realize that the virgin birth was the means by which the incarnation would happen. You say, what does incarnation mean? I want you to know that word, and so I used it. It means God became flesh. John 1 and verse number 14, and the word became flesh. That is the incarnation, or taking on flesh. Chili con carne is is beans with what in it meat flesh concarnate incarnation you see it a little bit all right no. all right so incarnation it, it, it's it's flesh it's the word carne flesh and so incarnation means to take on flesh now think about that for a minute think about the love that drew salvation's plan god exists outside of time He's a spirit, and yet, because you and I had sinned against him, we are separated from him and doomed to a place called hell for all of eternity. That's what we deserved, every single one of us. And the answer to that, truth would say, God sends you to an eternal punishment and hell. That's what you deserve. Love would say, but that's my creation, and I'm not willing that any should perish. What's the answer? The incarnation. Sending Jesus to take on human flesh without a sin nature, without a sin nature, to live among us, tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin, 
to go to the cross, to die in your place for your sin, literally bearing the sins of the whole world. I can't imagine bearing my own sins for eternity. Jesus um, bore all the sins of all mankind for all of eternity on his shoulders. And isn't it a wonder the lights in the heavens went out? Such a gruesome scene that God turned his back on Jesus the Son. Well, he poured out his wrath, and Jesus became the propitiation or the appeasement of God's wrath for our sin. It was a substitutionary sacrifice. All this happened by means of the virgin birth. What's so important about the virgin birth? Could have God done it in another way? Well, he's God, certainly he could have, but he promised, he prophesied, he gave to us 700 years previous in Isaiah's prophecy, verse seven, in chapter 7, verse 14, that a virgin would conceive. When God was talking to, or sent the angel to talk to Joseph, Joseph one, uh, Matthew one twenty three, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is, church, God with us. God in the flesh. God in the flesh. Matthew really carefully protects the doctrine of the, the virgin birth. He says in Matthew 1 and verse 16, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom, and whom directly speaks about Mary. It's singular and feminine in its, in its, in its uh, tone, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So it wasn't Jesus was begat of Joseph, Mary bore Jesus. And so the virgin birth is an important and key doctrine. It is by this doctrine we believe that Jesus did not have a sin nature. I'm thankful for that. He was sinless. He was without sin. The Bible says in our passage that holy thing that was born um, that is in thee, that holy thing, that sinless thing that is in thee. And so this this birth was uh, was a a way that God made it possible for uh, uh, God to take on flesh yet without sin. Sin passes through the on um, the male, and the Bible says in. Romans 5 and verse number 16, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Joseph was his stepdad. He was not his human father. He was the son of the highest. So the sin nature was not passed on to Jesus, but how would this happen? Mary had that question. How is this going to happen? Wouldn't you ask that question? Wouldn't you ask that question, ladies? How is this going to happen? She says, I, I, don't, I don't know a man. That was her first response. How is this going to happen? I've, I've been living in purity. I've, I've been following the, the law. I've been, I've been honoring your word. How is this going to happen? The power of the Holy Ghost. You know what God's saying here? This would be a God thing. This is going to be something that only God could do. Mary as much as only God could put a baby inside of a barren womb of an older lady. Your cousin Elizabeth. Aren't you older ladies glad you're not getting that news? 65 and you're expecting. Can you imagine? I don't know how old she was, but she was, she was up there in, in, in age. Can you imagine? You talk about life changing. 
If God can do that, he can do this as well. And the Bible ends here. If God can do that, nothing's impossible with God. Nothing. And so the miraculous conception, it, it was a virgin, a virgin birth. It was something that only God could do. It stands unique in all of human history. There is no other story such as this. What an amazing, uh, amazing setting apart of God the Son who came to die for our sins. Galatians 4 and verse number 4. But in the fullness of time, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. That's what this was all about. He came for you and for me. And it's an amazing thing that God sets it apart. He says, this is such a special moment that this is how it's going to happen. And this is how that sin nature is not going to pass on. And, and, and it's going to be by my direct divine power. What an amazing thing. Don't, don't let the world around us question God's word when it says that Jesus was born of a virgin. That's a key doctrine. It's a doctrine we stand on. Why? Because the Bible says so when we believe it. Amen? I also want us just to note here in that statement to, about Elizabeth, who, who was it that gave her this baby in her old age? God. God enabled that. Look down at verse number 3. 36, behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived in her own age, in her old age, and this is a sixth month with her, who is called barren. Do you remember back the story of her and her husband? Hey, this is going to happen. He didn't so much believe it. God made him mute, made him dumb for nine months. Some of you ladies say, I wish, I wish God would make my husband dumb for nine months. Watch what you wish for. But God had promised that baby. God made it happen. And I want us just to realize that God is the giver of life. He's the giver of physical life, and he's the giver of eternal life. He sent Jesus here. He, he put this little baby, God in the flesh, in the womb of Mary, and he put John, the forerunner of Christ, the one who would prepare the way of the Lord, the one who in John 1 and verse number 29 sees Jesus, his cousin, for the first time and says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Wow. God was the giver of this life. We also should never, never underestimate the value and the significance of the life of our children. Think about John, his role in human history. He was prophesied about too, that there would be a prophet. Jesus himself said, there's none greater born among women than John. That's pretty amazing. That's a high compliment about, about John. The, the value, the, the, the potential of the children that we bring in. The potential of the children being taught right now. The potential of the children in our, in our homes. The potential of your, your grandchildren. You say, it's not quite going the way that I'd like it to go. Listen, never, 
underestimate the potential and the power of God to get a, a control of their lives. God's the giver of life. Satan despises life. He's a killer. Let's stand for life. Let's praise God for life. Don't you thank God for your life? You have life today, breath. Praise his name. And in response to all this, you remember, Mary says, how is this going to happen? And the angel says how it's going to happen, and then he sums it up with nothing is impossible with God. All things are possible with him. All things are possible with him. And we should think about that just for a moment. What are some of the things that you have said in your life are impossible but have forgotten to add God to that equation? Is it someone's salvation? Is it a besetting sin? Is it a struggle that you're having, a relational issue? Is it some sort of financial pressure? Is it a spiritual growth barrier? What have you said it's just not possible. And yet we read about Jesus Christ who came to earth for you and I. We read of him, and we glory in this time of year. We celebrate it, we sing about it, we rejoice in it, and it was an impossibility to humans, but it was not impossible to God. We look at the world crumbling around us. God is not threatened by America's despising of him. God's not done working in hearts and saving souls. God's not done. Nothing's impossible with him. Let's keep believing him. Do you know that the, do you know that the, the motto of our state, do you know what it is? You live in Ohio, Right? You need to go and read the story about this. But emblazoned on our state house floor are these words. Show the picture. With God, all things are possible. You know, if I remember the story right, it was a young person, a young person that worked to make that happen, and it happened in the not-so-distant past. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Now, I'm saddened by some of the move of our state, even in this, past, in this past year, to not value life as God values life. And many other things. But I want to keep believing as Christians that with God all things is possible. That just because the world might be running on its course and doing its thing, we can still stand with God, we can still believe God, and still see God work in our hearts and the hearts that we get to touch. Right? With God, all things are possible. If God could send a, uh, his son through a virgin and give uh, life in the womb of, of Elizabeth with God, all things are possible. You need to believe that today. What are you facing? You need to believe it today. Well, I, I just can't. I don't know that I can go on another day. You need to believe that with God, all things are possible. Get your eyes off the problem, off the, the human impossibilities, and get them onto the, the all all-powerful God who says, with me, nothing's going to be impossible. And so I thank the Lord for this. Now, did this mean that this all was going to be easy for Mary? Remember, Mary and the angel are having a conversation right now. 
How is this going to happen? With God, all things are possible, Mary. Oh, so it's just going to be easy. It's going to be a cakewalk. Everyone's going to high-five me when I come back into town. Do you remember they were engaged? Do you remember the other part of the story, Matthew chapter number 1, we'll see it next week. Do you remember Joseph is in turmoil because his wife is now pregnant? And she's saying it's by the Holy Ghost. And they hadn't seen this before. Now, granted, it was prophesied, but do you understand that even, even with it being prophesied, there's a human reality of like, uh, well, that's for somebody else, not for us. And there's a lot of turmoil going on, and I cannot imagine the turmoil going on in Mary's heart. What are my, what's my mom going to think? What's my dad going to think? What, how's the town going to treat me when I go into the, into the shopping market? What are they going to say about me? We know what the town and the public and the religious leaders said about, about Jesus. We be not born of fornication. Insinuating that, they, um, that Jesus was. We realize that, that she, her name kind of became mud and she became associated as an impure person when she had lived in purity and was favored by God because of her pure living. Was it going to be easy? Sometimes we think just following the will of God is going to be easy and we get so put off by the trials and the hardships of following God. Friends, following God is not always easy. We'll see it tonight, but I'll give this verse to us again today. It's given unto you, Philippians 1 and verse number 29, not to just believe on his name, but also to suffer for his sake. It's not always going to be easy following God, but with God all things are possible. And I want us to realize a response from Mary that I don't know any other way to describe it other than fantastic. If this was the news that came to you, you're going to be with child. Your hopes, your dreams, uh, you're awaiting Joseph to come back and get you and you set up home, live together, have your own children, and go about life normally. All of that has been turned on its head. Your life is forever changed right now in this moment. Oh, it's a good thing, but it's really changed. Uh, I, was, I might have been patted on the back as the good girl in town. Not now. There's questions surrounding my name. Oh, Mary, <laughs> that's the one that says, that's the one that says she's, she's pregnant by the Holy Ghost. Now, let's just be real here. Her life was changed. Her life would be very different going forward. And do you understand what she says next in verse number 38? Mary said, this is her response. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Let's say that together. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. She affirmed her status before God. I am your servant. I'm your servant. Wow. Perhaps if Mary had thought, about the different things that were going to change in her life. I imagine she had dreamed about having a child, but having Joseph nearby, living together and being able to help and, and work through things together. But there was some of this that she's, she's on her own. She has to work through that relational issue with, with, with Joseph. By the way, God would take care of you know helping Joseph to come around. But she just stands there and says... Okay, 
I'm the servant of the Lord. I have no will of my own. I'm your servant. Whatever you want to do, I'm yours. That is a wonderful response. Now, perhaps we could be honest here this morning. How many say, I don't know if I would have responded that way. I don't know that we could we can climb inside of her mind to understand the, 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 the mammoth amount of life change that was about to happen for her. But yet she says, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, the female slave of the Lord. I also just noticed that she uses the word handmaid. She literally refers to her, and I realize I might, I might be looking at this from the perspective of today, but Mary was okay that she was a servant, and she was okay that she was a female. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Here I am. This is who God has created me to be. I am the servant of the Lord. And how fitting it is that the suffering servant, Jesus Christ, would be born of this simple servant, Mary. That, that she had exhibited, before she even knew personally, face-to-face the Savior, she had exhibited the heart of the Savior, which was, I am a servant. I'm a servant. How great is that? But, I want us to realize that a true servant relinquishes their own will, and she does that next. Look at verse number 38. Be it unto me according to thy word. What does this mean? Whatever you say. Whatever you say. Now, there's a way to go about that. Someone asks you to do something. Well, whatever. Whatever you say, and you huff off, right? It's very different than be it unto me according to thy word. Whatever you say, I'd be glad to. There is such a spirit of submission in Mary in this moment. To God. To God. Did she know how it all was going to work out? No. She thought she had a plan. I'm getting married to, I, I, I'm getting married to, to Joseph. I, we have all this, these details coming together. The house is being built. We're going get, to get together. And it's going to be wonderful. We're going to live happily ever after. And then the angel of the Lord shows up, says, Mary, you're the lady. And you're going to bear the, the Son of God. And, and the song that Brother Isaac just read, Mary's song, says she magnified the Lord and she rejoiced in the Lord in this. But do understand that there is, there is a choice to rejoice in the midst of changing circumstances. When God says, you're not going this way anymore, you're going this way. I have another plan. I have a new plan for you. And yes, it's wonderful, wonderful. I don't want to downplay that at all. But this would mean significant difference for her. And now she's saying, be it unto me according to thy word. Now, I want to encourage you to think about this. Is there something that God has revealed to you through his word? Is there an area of your life that God has revealed to you in his word? And you still need to say, like Mary, be it unto me according to thy word. Be it unto me according to thy word. You know, it's really easy for time to pass and for us to go weeks, months, years, with some undones. But the right time to say, be it unto me according to thy word, is in the moment that his word is revealed. And in the moment that Mary heard of this, she says, be it unto me according to thy word. 
And I want to encourage you as we consider the, the servants of Christmas and Mary, this handmaid of the Lord, I want to encourage you to say that to the Lord as well. Be it unto me according to thy word. I believe that the Holy Spirit works in our hearts and he is urging you and prompting you in specific areas. And I want to encourage you, like Mary, to say, be it unto me according to thy word. Here I am as your handmaid, ladies. Here I am as your, maybe you'd say bond slave, like Paul did, guys. The one who is promised and committed to serve you for the rest of my life, here I am. Be it unto me according to thy word. And I believe that Mary is a wonderful example to us in this Christmas time of what we ought to be for the Lord Jesus Christ. Be it unto me according to thy word. Would you bow with me in prayer today? What do you need to say that about, to, uh, about uh, back to the Lord? How do you need to reference him and what he's told you to do? As I started today, the characters of Christmas that we celebrate most were servants. We were challenged last week to be servants, to be dirty towel Christians. And here we have Mary, the handmaid of the Lord. Could I ask you, is there something that God is prompting you today about to which you have said no to before, but the Lord is, is helping you to see that you need to say like Mary, be it unto me according to thy word. You just say, Pastor, that's how God is working in my, my heart. No one's looking around, but would you be willing to admit that to the Lord this morning? There's an area. There's an area. There's something. Amen. There's something. I need to say to the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. You say with that upraised hand, some have already responded. Anyone else here this morning, be it unto me. Amen. I want to invite you before you leave today to find a place to, to kneel and pray. Bow before him as the servant of the Lord and to say that to him and then to act on it. Perhaps there's others that need to be saved. Say, Pastor, I don't know for certain that Jesus is my Savior. I hear that he has borne all my sin at the cross for me, but I've not yet accepted that personally. Pastor, I don't know that when I die, I'll spend eternity in heaven. I don't know that my sins are forgiven. I'm concerned about that. Could I see your hand today? Is that you? I'll not point you out, but I'd certainly like to pray for you. Let's pray as we stand together. Father, I ask that you would help us to have that spirit of Mary, be it unto me, according to thy word. I pray for anyone here that does not yet know you as Savior. Lord, I pray that they would, in the same submission, submit themselves to the righteousness of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. With our heads bowed, let's continue to pray all across the auditorium, but I encourage you. You say, Pastor, I have that area. I need to submit to the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. Would you find a place and pray about that right now? The altar is open. I encourage you to make an altar between you and the Lord, a place of decision. Be it unto me according to thy word. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, 
visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.